Welcome to the future of gaming. The FogDAO is a group of builders and investors bringing you the best content on how new technologies can be used to make better games. Enjoy the show. GM friends, and welcome to the future of gaming. You're listening to our weekly podcast. We are recording this where I am, 7 a.m., the 25th of October. Uh, we've got Phil Collins, Devin Becker, myself, Nico Vreke, and a very special guest, Ryan Fu, coming in hot from Singapore. How are you doing, Ryan? Pretty good, thank you. Yes, uh, very awake, very well. <laughs> there you go. So, Ryan and I. I live in Europe. He lives in Singapore. We wake up around the same time um, as <laughs> totally uninteresting context. What are we talking about today? We are talking about first Apple's policy changes. So this is this is very hot. So this, this just came in. Um, Apple's doing some, some weird stuff with their app store. And we're also talking about on-chain gaming engines, something that's also been pretty hot. Um, and then if we have time, we'll talk about Microsoft's mobile app store, uh, but likely we won't make it there. Good. All right, so you know we know Devin, Phil, we know myself, Ryan. Could you give us like two minutes of background on yourself? Yeah, sure. So I'm currently a games investor at Delphi Digital, right? Uh, we are research and also an investment firm, right? So I cover particularly venture side, uh, and co-invest a lot with Nico, right? I, over at Bitcraft. So hey. yeah, future of gaming into the future, future of gaming, gaming. That's it, as they say. Yeah, and hopefully we fulfill it one day. And of course, yeah. working with Devin on a few things as well. So that's some a dream, context man. there. Yeah. So um <laughs> we should do like a, a Delphi fill um like a Delphi convoy bitcraft thing and then and then Devin can consult the company. Boom. Yeah. Boom. Future of gaming. Right Gone. there. Future of gaming. <laughs> Good. Yeah. By the way, you sometimes you say you're like an economist and now you're a games investor. What's happening, man? What's what was the focus? Well, what do you love? I can be both. He's not sustainable. Both. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sustainable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And sustaining three work different roles at once. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sustainable. Yeah, that's yeah. that. That might be why you just woke up. Um, sustaining <laughs> three roles at once. Good. Let's let's dive in. Apple policy changes. Devin, what's happening, man? Tell us. The bad <clears throat> yeah, news, there's a lot of the stuff they uh, they added. Found out about it kind of through the Twitter sphere. So take everything with a a double check it yourself kind of grain of salt. But uh, yeah. I I do think this is probably real. Because um, they were, there was a whole discussion going on before where they were talking about like, oh, you got to give us the cut sort of thing that was behind the scenes, but it wasn't, that wasn't public policy change. Supposedly this is published today, public policy changes, or I guess public to developers, right? Because I don't think the uh, policies are accessible to uh, the regular person unless you're signed up for the developer program. So it's like, you know, pay a hundred dollars or whatever to read our, our agreement, I guess at that point. Uh, but basically, mm. they're changing stuff around, both related directly to NFTs and not related to NFTs specifically. But but a lot of stuff's really around, at the end of the day, and around financial stuff. They know they're starting to get their little moat sort of eroded in lots of different ways that people are looking for ways around it, trying to find ways to uh, buy and sell stuff outside of using Apple's, uh, what used to be kind of a, a railway and has turned into more of like a very uh, masochistic tunnel at this point. Um, and so they're trying to like basically make it so that people are violating policies by going around that because they know NFT stuff especially is going to be something and cryptocurrency stuff as something that doesn't make sense necessarily to pay through Apple Pay. So until Apple like catches up with that, they don't want anyone using anything else. So they've enforced some stuff that basically says you can't like gate content with NFTs is one big thing. So you can't like make people ha have to have NFTs. 
unless I believe that you're selling it through the app. So if you sell the NFT through the app, give Apple their 30% cut and then gate off of that, like as if it was a normal thing you were gating off of via in-app purchases, aka basically not treating it like an NFT, uh, then they're okay with that, right? Like, because that's still what they were already okay with. Um, But if you start doing stuff to kind of get around and give access to stuff, basically from things that are outside of it, like they already have that issue where they're kind of like, there's sort of these gray areas where subscriptions outside of the the app store can sort of be allowed depending on who they decide is okay that week, whether that be Netflix or whoever. Um, And, you know, obviously Amazon, you know, has had their issues with having to pull like Kindle stuff off and all that. So they're, they're now making it so you can't use other ways to like activate stuff outside of it, not just with NFTs. You can't scan QR codes to activate stuff. You can't do all these other sort of end arounds. I think they've caught people using. Um, So I think they're just really trying to lay down like, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. Just give us our 30% and then we'll leave you alone. Maybe uh, kind of policy basically at this point. So it is really going to basically erode any kind of real NFT, like Web3 stuff for the most part outside of situations where you purchase stuff in the game using in-app purchases and you could turn that into NFTs. I think those kinds of situations will still be allowed. But let's say you do that, sell that NFT to someone else, then they try and bring it into the game and use it, probably not going to be usable. So it's kind of a, a, basically they're just kneecapping Web3 altogether, whether they intend to or not, which I'm, I'm going to lean towards yes. Because you can't buy anything in cryptocurrency either, basically through this stuff now. So they've basically said, good luck at this point doing anything. Yeah. Tim Cook, what the hell, man? What are you doing? Mother. Yeah, we need the other Tim um, to, um, to, to weigh in on this. Yeah. Sweetie, come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Ryan, thoughts? Very sad. Very sad thing. <laughs> um, so there was a take. There was a take that, you know, if they're allowing NFTs, they're going to be allowing wallets, right? But I think they found a centralized way to kind of censor that, right? So that, you know, you're within the app, from what I understand, with, from within the app, right, there's no additional functionality that you can grant to a user depending on the NFTs they've transferred into their wallet outside of the app, right? So that kind of like kills the entire interoperability case because they can still censor you at the app level, right? Even if you can purchase and onboard into an NFT and go out. So I think that's um, a crying shame, as they say in some, in some contexts. Yeah. Uh, nonetheless, I think it, you know, still uh, at least a movement in the right direction because you can still like purchase these NFTs and then go out, right? And you can see it almost as a alternate on-ramp onto you know, Web3 Rails or onto crypto, right? Which is kind of, um, I think back in Deconstructor Fun Istanbul, I met one, one person who, used to, who was working in the Google Play team and he was talking about how uh, there were some apps where you could purchase tokens and as long, again, as Devin said, Apple gets their 30%, right? Uh, then they're pretty happy with that. So I think that's kind of like, at least what we're going to look at. But it does kill a lot of like, use cases like that we are excited about. Like, you know, like, of course, like, you know, open economies where players are trading, you know, business models that rely on like a lot of player to player trade and also like the interoperability case that, you know, Nico loves and super excited about, which I'm sure you can weigh in on as well. Amongst others. So that's kind of my thoughts. Yeah. I think that's super fair. Um, I heard, and I don't know the details here, but um, we know that Sky Mavis is actively working with Google to, you know, find a solution for their Mavis hub. And so it seems to me that Google and the whole Android world is more open to all of this than Apple is. 
is there a world where you know if you want to have or unlock the full web three potential, you wanna you're gonna want to buy an Android phone instead of an iPhone? I think we're already there. I don't know how much longer it'll even re rely on hardware necessarily, especially with everything we're seeing with the legal cases happening here in the U.S. right now with app stores. You know, in the next few years, we may see a an opening up of of new app stores even coming to the market, and so maybe these policies will naturally have to open up as more competitors enter, and it's not just a duopoly between you know, Android and and iOS. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think this whole situation really just shows that. All Apple cares about is that a dollar equals a dollar for them, um, you know, regardless of it's crypto related or not, they just want their 30% share. And after that, whatever you do in the app is fine. And so the utility is not necessarily being taken away. It's just coming at the cost of, you know, they're, they're still grabbing their, their 30%. But, but yeah, on the, on the, on the app store side, really just interested to see if, if this is impacted significantly by legislation, um, when these, they, they can't be kind of Kings of the castle for forever it, it seems yeah. to me because you're saying like they're not capping utility because they just want their their dollar their 30 percent, right but it seems like because they want to be able to enforce their 30 percent, they're actually capping like some things that you can do um that's what it seems to me and so very ironically web3 we're all about no regulation <clears throat> just uh you know everything decentralized and now the four of us are like we need regulation um and because yeah apple's so powerful and it's Man, it's like, you know, your best bets on mobile gaming or like gaming in, in general 10 years ago would have been by Apple shares because and, and they don't like would never be considered a gaming company. But uh, mm -hmm. they just hold so much power because, yeah, they have the best device and they can gate everything there. Yeah, I mean, I think across Web3, honestly, regulation is going to be inevitable, right? I mean, these are these are um, transactions that I think will be ultimately regulated just like any other transaction. Uh, especially as as critical mass comes and, and adoption grows, uh, it won't be it won't be ignorable forever, and and that's eventually it reaches the it reaches the scale that regulators find it worthwhile to spend the time learning about it and hopefully have an educated enough position that the the regulations are are strong. But um, yeah, until then, I think we're just kind of in a wait and see mode. But I have to imagine. If if Web three continues to succeed, the more and more regulators will be willing to learn, and the the more and more regulations will will come and match non crypto related payment functions. Here's the, here's the mm -hmm. problem: as as the policy is written, if they enforce it as it's written right now, basically NFTs are completely meaningless, and cryptocurrency has no influence. So literally, all of the Web three elements, if you consider those the two foundational aspects, are no longer functional because. Uh, NFTs have no value if you can't take them out of the app and back in to someone else, right? Like in terms of ownership mm -hmm. and stuff like that, because you're not allowed to unlock any functionality through an external means is the way they worded it. Like whether that be QR codes or whatever, but they're also applying that to NFTs. So that means you can't, you can't even not just not gate content, but not even unlock content or unlock, like say, like let's say I'm selling characters in a MOBA, right? And, and you might be like, well, that's fine, right? Because I'm not gating off gameplay. I'm just allowing you to play as that character if you own that NFT. But that's even not allowed, right? So I, if there's no secondary market value to my thing because it can't ever come back in, and the only, the only mm. way it could technically have value is if I have a web version of my game also, right? Where uh, you're allowed to bring NFTs into that web version and then that's okay. Even then, I feel like Apple would still find some reason to deny your app coincidentally. 
without without giving a specific reason and then just because I feel like any way you try and work around this, they'll probably just use it as an excuse to kick you off, even if you aren't technically violating the actual specific wording. But like I said, it's it's already specifically saying NFTs are just completely dead in the water. You could give us 30% of your NFT, but your NFT is meaningless now. So uh, I guess Gabe was mm-hmm. right when he said 30% of nothing, because that's, that's what this is at that point. Like if it has no even secondary value, like if there's no way to even trade it or have any meaning of ownership, then it's then it's not an NFT. It's just something you purchase in the app. That, and that's something that already exists. Cryptocurrency is also not being allowed in so many ways. Uh, basically means you can't do anything at all in the app except maybe view your NFTs. I even wonder if they'll allow you to view your NFTs because isn't that technically a, a unlocking functionality, right? Like They, they do allow you to view NFTs. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's, it, depending on how Point strictly the they enforce this, like, <laughs> they could just basically kill everything Web3. And then I, I think that's kind of, I, I wonder how well they'll enforce that, right? Because then they get 30% of nothing. If If people can't come over with their NFT stuff and give Apple their 30%, and they all have to just go over to Google or the web, then Apple's just going to lose out on that business altogether. Because if people can't find a workaround and give Apple their money and pay their tithe or whatever, then then Apple's not even going to get that. So Apple actually might have like kneecapped themselves too hard at this point. It's pretty chicken and egg, right? Because like, yeah. you know, Web3 is going to rely on like, uh, it's going to rely on like, you know, mobile OS or the mobile interface. And there's a great post or piece by like one of my friends, uh, Rawson, um, from refle- digital reflections, reflections the digital. He wrote about exactly this, right? Crypto's app store problem. So the final sentence, uh, final paragraph is, ironically, crypto's roads to 5 billion users may depend on regulatory antitrust to break up the world's largest duopoly, right? So it's just like, okay, you know, relying on Epic, yeah, to, to push push it through. But anyway, the, the point being that um, it, you know, crypto and NFTs and, you know, crypto crypto gaming does rely on Oh, I think we'll have to rely on like mobile to access the you know next like hundred million, next million, next hundred million, next billion users, right? And it has kind of done so with like a side load, you know, like which is what Axie did, right? For for uh, Android and hit multiple million users. So that's that's something that I think was pretty impressive, and I think it'll still continue to sort of grow um, in its own way. But I think like without that sort of rocket fuel of like you know traditional like UA in like mobile gaming, then it's going to be a lot more difficult to get that kind of adoption. I won't count it down and out for the count though, like for sure. I, I, w- I wouldn't say it's like that, that over because, you know, if you look at Reddit NFTs, you know, like, you know, more people have Reddit NFTs apparently than like you know, people on OpenSea. It's like, wow, that's kind of, it's kind of cool, right? Um, so I think like, you know, being able to like purchase through Apple, it's like, okay, you give them 30%, but they have the NFTs, they can unlock, as you said, functionality elsewhere. That's kind of cool, right? Um, even though it's not the same as like a full-blooded like you know uh, NFT, I suppose as as we hope in in mobile mobile apps. So that's kind of uh, I think it's optimistic still. Yeah, it's better than nothing, which is a bit sad to say, but it's better than nothing. Yeah, I hope it just brings yeah, people onto that the point too. <laughs> yeah, and I mean to that point too. I feel like NFTs and games on on a mobile app store aren't a imminent enough threat for for Apple's top line to care about yet. Um, but eventually, you know, their policy will be dictated by their own self-interest. And so if there's enough of a, of an opportunity for them to, to potentially open this up in the future, I have no doubt that they'll, that they'll jump at it. But right now, maybe they view it as just a little bit more preventative because they see potential damages coming from it and they'd rather get out ahead of this and, and stop the, those potential damages than, 
then just kind of let it sit and see what happens, just given the fact that it's not not an immediate negative impact on them today. Well, they can also selectively enforce it, right? So if they have their buddy buddies, people that they're they're friends with, they're like they're like be like, oh, we'll let King do it or something, you know, like someone that they happen to like already rely on a lot for money, they might they might be okay with it because they'll be like, oh, we know you're going to make something. You're going to do it this way because that's what way we'll be okay with and we'll work some kind of deal out and we won't enforce this on you. And that way we'll make sure to get our 30% cut and everyone wins. It might turn into one of those kind of things where there's a lot of closed door deals happening. And so you start to see some strict stuff trickle in. But I know there was a ton of games, like for a fact, looking to come into mobile and being okay with giving Apple 30% and just doing the functionality now all of a sudden they've like like i said they've they've slammed the door on a lot of potential revenue if they enforce this as it's written like it just it just seems kind of uh dumb at this point because if you were just like hey we'll give 30 percent, cool i think their their biggest reason for doing this is the secondary market revenue like they want to close the game store loop or gamestop loophole right where they're like uh you have to make all your purchase th- purchases through us you can't purchase these nfts somewhere else and bring them in aka secondary market and i think because they don't get a a 30 percent cut of that that's what it comes down to and and maybe that's all they'll really enforce against is like people trying to buy stuff on secondary and like if there's no secondary market and all the marketplace happens within the app and people could take the nft out but can't ever bring it back in then they'll always be okay with that like i said that kind of severely limits what what you consider an nft at that point uh but as to ryan's point if it like unlocks functionality somewhere else and when you take it out, you're taking it out to go do other stuff or like it's treated as an NFT, like still in the game, but you can use it for other things outside of it. And you're never like selling it to other people. Then then maybe there's some functionality. But at that point, that starts to go to the people's arguments of like, why do you need blockchain then? Right. Like because it just could be a database. It, it could be an API. It could be a million different things. It doesn't need to be blockchain with Apple's policies. And therefore, like if you're developing a mobile game under these policies, then you might as well not bother with Web3. Like, there's just not much point in doing that. Uh, like, I mean, maybe there's some, some edge cases, but like ba- they basically just nuked the middle of the, the whole core of Web3 uh, with this in, in terms of like if they enforce it to the letter. So I'll get I like sad the now. point you're making on backdoors. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> yeah. going to say it. I like the point you're making about backdoors because it reminds me of a... Uh, Reminds me of um, why I heard about the early days of the App Store, right? Like in the early days of App Store, it's very much about like that kind of like backroom deals, right? Example being like inventing IAPs by, so I heard a story of one, you know, sort of famous mobile game developer who uh, invented IAPs by, so back then they were only like premium kind of uh, premium games, right? You could sell and then there's like, you know, free games, right? So the free games and the premium games and you could sell for like 149 you know, 299 and, you know, 14.99, whatever you know, price points. Right, um, one app developer decided to create um, a set of like you know premium games in order to simulate IAPs. So it was like you could play the free game for free until like level five, and then like level five you had to purchase the next game at for two ninety nine. Next game had like level five to ten, <laughs> and it was like this like crazy workaround to get IAPs. And then Apple was like, "Come on, you can't you can't do that, right?" It was like you can't do that, and he was like, "I'm doing it," <laughs> and yeah. Then they worked it out, right? So, you know, I think the point you're making about like how that creates like additional like top line revenue for Apple, right? I think like if, you know, what, what we predict about like, you know, how like these games are going to really significantly boost, like, you know, blockchain features are significantly going to boost LTV for these users, for example, and we find a way to cut in Apple in some way, right? Might not have to be on every secondary market transaction ever, 
right? Shout out Roblox. But um, yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I think um, yeah, I think they're not games, they're experiences, like, right? Come on, experiences. Mm. Yeah, I know. I'm so I'm so sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, low blow. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like uh, then I think there might be a way to sort of move ahead. Um, unfortunately, I am not the person to to lie us with Apple yet. So we'll see. Yeah, soon. Yeah, we'll see on 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 the people who do have experience. So that does make like uh sort of experienced people who can sort of lie us with, you know, the App Store and Apple and, you know, Google, like, that, I guess, increases the bullish case for them, I suppose. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that, that's, that's what I'm curious, too, on the utility side. And I mentioned, you know, I don't know if this will actually impact utility. Those backdoors are going to be very interesting, especially to see how far they are enforced. And if there's some, some way where you can have your, your wallet two or three connections removed away and that, that item in the game, it's not an NFT in the game, but they're is functionality or features that are being unlocked by having that item um and then you know somewhere out in the nether there's a wallet that has an asset that's tied to it obviously that's a lot of complexity and might be reserved for the diehards but um i'd be curious to see if, if apple even bothers to to try to enforce that at, at that scale but who knows that's a this is definitely a tbd type of conversation i also wonder if this yeah. is targeted I mean, at the because you can't activate stuff purchased out elsewhere it says I wonder if this is actually targeting the web store stuff where like Clash of Clans and other games are selling stuff on their web stores. I wonder if this is actually specifically disallowing that as well. Because if it is, that that was a big workaround people were moving into that suddenly like shut down. Like obviously they're not going to like kick mm. Clash of Clans off the store, right? Over it, they'll be like, no, 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 guys. Because uh, it's a big, big seller for them. I mean, they did kick Fortnite off, but that's because like Fortnite picked a big fight with them. Uh, and that was kind of different. They weren't just just trying to be sneaky. They were blatantly trying to be in your face, kind of like no Apple. So I like that. Yeah, also, the the number of teams back last year that would tell me that they were going to submit an application for the App Store, not mention NFTs, and then as soon as they get accepted, just slap them in the back. <laughs> it was uh, was surprisingly high for people raising millions of dollars. Um, so. You never know what you're going to see. We're all criminals at this point. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm rough. curious how this is going to affect in, uh, like service Apple's providers eyes. like Stardust that are like looking to help support mobile developers by using APIs and stuff to be able to integrate Web3 easily. Because I think this this still pretty much applies to their stuff, which like I got to imagine if they're reading this, they're in like scramble mode uh, for a lot of the, because it's not just Stardust. There's a lot of other providers, but they're the ones top of mind, but that are like absolutely doing this kind of stuff. Uh, that's got to be like they're going to be looking at those workarounds like Phil was saying, like, how can we uh, distance this stuff uh, even further via our APIs and databases and stuff so that it's like not an NFT, but is an NFT. And uh, yeah, maybe that's how we end up getting around it for now and then just see who gets slapped down. Mm -hmm. It was nice of Apple to announce this a few a few days after Stardust announced their raise. <laughs> right. <laughs> they, must, they must they must have waited to be nice to, to the team. They should have waited until after midterms. Yeah. At this point, after um, the Super Bowl, uh, when Stardust, uh, you know, when it loses its technological edge, it's going to be like, oh, if you want to ever find a way to make money through the App Store, you're going to have to partner with someone like Stardust because they know, you know, how to backdoor and, and get some get, get some money. Maybe they've already some, made uh, a deal with Apple. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who knows? I've I've heard of uh, VCs that offer that as a specific edge, like you know. I previously used to work with. I, I know the I know the guidelines. I can I can I know a guy who knows a guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
absolutely. Like people use those interconnections in Apple all the time. Like I, I would love for it to be like a merit-based fully, you know, like to the to the word thing of of approvals. But at the end of the day, both the approval system and the marketing system there are pretty great. I mean, like anyone who saw the Marvel Snap push, uh, suddenly there was like app store notifications about a new app. Like I'm pretty sure that was unprecedented that there was like a notif- a push notification about a new game release. Uh, a lot of people were mentioning it. I mean, I'm I'm not a regular Apple user, so I don't know if that's like truly unprecedented, but uh, it, it's that's a pretty big deal. And I got to imagine someone at second dinner uh, took Marv- or took uh, Apple out to a third dinner to to be able to afford that because that was not an easy deal. I imagine to strike. And I, it's a game I love, so I'm all for it. But it's uh it's interesting to see those kinds of new things, especially now that Apple is really turning into the, the ad business all of a sudden. So. Should we? I'm, I'm interested to learn more about in, about Marvel Snap. So, what, what's special about it? You know, I'm a card game guy, uh, and I, I managed to, to get in on the the start of the beta, and um, it's just I don't know. It's it's a very short game, six turns, very fast, very fun. I wish it was crypto friendly, to be honest. Like, I wish I could NFT the cards because it took mm. me all all four like months just to get every one of the cards. Uh, but it's just a fast, easy game. I, I recommend it to people that that like those kind of games. It's um. It's fun. It, like, it, it seems like there might not be a lot of depth at first, but I think there is. Anyone who's played, like, Smash Up kind of knows, Quince. like, the value of locations that you fight over. It's the same concept. Uh, and that adds a lot mm. of variety. So I, I don't want to, like, go on and shill the game for everyone, but I think it's, I think it's a cool game and it's free to play, so why not? Mm. No, I have, to, I have to correct you on the definition of shill there. So shill, I, my understanding is, like, paid shill, right? So just, like, a right, right. vested I don't have any interest bags on this. you have. True. You have no bags. You have no, you have no, no NFT, way to dump so. on it on people. Yeah, yeah. No if NFTs, only I had right? NFTs, yeah. yeah. Or where's my bags? The, the, someone, someone you, hand me some bags. <laughs> with our, with our millions go. of listeners, that all you yeah. know want NFTs, and then the price goes up, and then boom, you can dump on them. That's mm. right. I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah, flip that's, these that's cards. Chilling. Yeah. yeah. So therefore, well, there's no shows. Just let me talk about Splinterlands instead. I have five bags of Splinterlands. Let's get on that one. Good. All right. Let's move on to a happier topic. A topic that makes me more happy. So, as some of you may know, I am interested in the weird stuff you can do with blockchain technology and games that is more than web 2.5 which is what i would say 90 percent of the industry is doing which is oh we have a game oh our items are nfts and that's pretty much all of the innovation mm-hmm. um and i'm talking about putting more of the game logic on chain and the ultimate extreme of that is having on-chain games where there is no server there is no backend the game is a smart contract or a set of smart contracts and there's a thin client <clears throat> which is usually browser-based that interacts with this on-chain gaming world. Um, we've seen some games being built. Like, for example, one, uh, one example of this is Wolf Game. Wolf Game is, well, it's hardly called uh, a game, right? It's more it's like, oh, okay, it's a game, right? Ryan confirms. <laughs> but they're it adding land. sheep and wolves. Game theory. <laughs> exactly. it's, a game. it's a game theory game. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Uh, and because in the end, isn't, isn't everything a game? Isn't capitalism True. a game? Um, yeah. Anyway, that's another discussion. So, on-chain <laughs> games, there's, like, many people are like, you know, why would you ever put a game on-chain? Because everything you can do on-chain, you could do better off-chain. Uh, but there's some interesting use cases. We've talked about it a lot. And now, in Bogota, at DevCon, um, the team of Lattice and Optimism have showed, shown, displayed their on-chain gaming engine called MUD, M-U-D unrelated to the original but it's probably related but like it's it's not that it's a similar type of game um and so they've displayed what you can do with it it's essentially like a, a, a easy and fast way to build 
interactive experiences experiences that live on chain. And so what they've displayed is literally Minecraft, but every block is being tracked on a blockchain. In this case, it's not the Ethereum blockchain, obviously, but you can like walk around, you can mine a block, and then every block you mine is a transaction, every block you place is a transaction. Um, and it's just like, I saw that and my mind, my mind was blown because <clears throat> if you to told me that smoothness and speed would exist a year from now, I'd be happy but it's here today. Um, so yeah, I um, I was blown away by that. I found it really cool. Um, Ryan, you, you've seen it. You've played around with it, right? How is it? Yeah, uh, I've seen it. I've not played around with it yet. Right? Okay. But I understand. That. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. So, Bullish. I think it's very impressive. Yeah. Uh, we talk, we can talk a bit more about like soft uh, benefits perhaps that on-chain gaming might unlock, right? Like this, this mm -hmm. question of autonomous worlds, right? I think, mm -hmm. you know, very relevant in the context of our previous discussion on platforms, right? And like their power, the ability to like throw people off. I think it's kind of like the, the uh, in particular, like a very web-free kind of thing to be able to have something that exists independently of its creators, right? So I think that's why they chose the sort of um, pop menu uh, of autonomous worlds, right? So autonomous being like can run by itself and worlds as in not just games, but, you know, sort of experiences, like just like Roblox, you know, yeah, <laughs> but autonomous, right? So like no one can, uh, no one can kind of shut them down, and people can kind of extend them at will, right? And I think like that's kind of like the potential unlock. Of course, right now, um, and it, of course the TAM remains like you know, if you're going like full VC on it, like you talk about TAM and all that, mm -hmm. um, and it remains like small, right? And also like the amount of developers that can meaningfully execute on these things, like I think like you can count, uh, probably less than a thousand, right? Uh, at, and it's very, it's a very conservative estimate, right? Um, so, I think it just takes time uh, for for all this to be adopted. But the real bull case uh, from an investment pers perspective is, you know, the Cambrian explosion explosion that comes with like composable games, right? So, I think the interesting piece about Mud is that uh, the way that they structure like the modules, right? It's like every contract or every component that you're building is like a, is. is Every contract they're building is like a component, right? That can be then be reused by like other other potential apps, right? Or or apps that are using also also using Mud, right? And that allows like for example, uh, and very sort of um, contrived example here, right? But contrived example might illustrate this. Like if you know Nico did all the hard work of implementing like Fog of War, right? When he was making StarCraft on chain. Right, and I'm like, hey, you know, I don't want to do all that hard work. I don't know so much about zero knowledge proofs, but Nico did this, you know, fog of war thing. I can just take that and then build Red Alert, right? And I change some of the stats and you know change the sprites, the front end, and then I have Red Alert, right? And you know, of course, like Red Alert and Starcraft are already built, but just using this to sort of explain like about you know new potential games that can come out and like, yeah, and I think it's important to know in, in contrast to like traditional game dev, right, where it's like like people don't really share what they're what they're doing. Right. Now you get engines and, at best, right? That they share within a company like Frostbite or something like that. That's right. At best, you share it within a company. But now you, you know, you can potentially. So there's a lot of like question mark, a lot of potential risks here, right? But you can potentially like have uh, have incentives for people to build these components. That you know, when revenue flows into those systems or those worlds, a percentage of that uh, value flows back to the original component creator, right? So it's, so I think that's kind of like the very interesting part in value capture. Uh, yeah, that uh, Mud is 
uh, and Lattice and other companies like them, uh, uh, you know, present another path where Web3 can be kind of interesting and useful. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. sort of um, my take. Yeah. Also like, my- you know, from conversations with the team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's, um, that's a great take. My VC take, especially on the TAM, is that right now, um, as you said, these games are, first of all, like the gameplay itself, again, because it's on chain, it's never going to be as good as any game that you would build on a traditional server, right? And so um, what I see a lot of people do, and I see this the whole time with Web3, like all of the Web3 technology stack is they're thinking, okay, what games do I know would benefit from this technology, right? Which is completely skeuomorphic thinking. It is like, you know, we have this new technology, what can we do with this? These mistakes have been made throughout human innovation, right? First web pages were like, what if you put a newspaper on, like, with a scroller, essentially? That was what a web page was like. Um, and now we have TikTok, right? Um, and so my 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 bullish VC take here is that um, what DeFi did for the financial space, which is essentially decentralizing the... Um, the programming of value. I think right now we've recreated like a large part of the existing financial infrastructure. And I think the products that will come out of DeFi because we've now opened it up and we've allowed literally anyone to program like DeFi protocols and essentially like financial infrastructure. I think we'll see products that don't exist today because now we can do everything, have everything interact with each other. It's just going to take a bit of time. And I think similarly, when it comes to on-chain games, I think of building on-chain games because we're using this the game world uh, word everyone thinks of okay what games can we build with this and I think the way this will will evolve is more um, like on-chain virtual interactivity where it's not so much like that that it's like a multiplayer game that you go in and you're like oh I'm gonna play a game but I could see this evolve into like a a very simple top-down world where you can go to a bank and then interact with your literally own bank account because your own bank account will be on chain. And so you can, and, and, and the innovation that can be built from there can be like enormous. Right. Um, and so uh, the way I think of this is, is less of a, what games can we build with this, but what can these technologies like do for the way we interact uh, online essentially? Because in the end, often games have been used to pioneer new technologies because they're like a playful way and they, you know, they set the stage and it's low risk, right? Um, and yeah, traditionally, games have been used to exper- experiment with new technologies that have then go on to be, to, to find their, you know, real mainstream use case. Um, you know, 3D is one example and, and, and there's a lot of other stuff as well. Um, and I think, you know, this might might be the, the same the same thing. Sounds like it bleeds more into metaverse ideas than necessarily like game games. Because um, the, the part that's is interesting is is what blockchains were built for versus how some people are trying to use them, right? So like one of the big features of blockchain is the is the consensus mechanisms, right? The shared validation. And one thing you don't need to do when you're playing a game is have every single action you make validated by hundreds of people randomly across the internet, right? Like you have a server emulated that's trusted server, and the, you know, and so like we have different blockchain layers that you know that maybe could be organized differently that have like less validators or different ways of doing it. And I think it starts to kind of dig towards this idea of like, what is, what makes sense for a blockchain to be part of? Because there's elements of it that totally make sense, right? Like where uh, the reason why you don't want a centralized server is that can go down, right? Like you want decentralized servers so that it's like this decentralized platform that doesn't go down. 
Um, and, and so there's that aspect, but that's also part of the validation aspect. And so maybe we need to like tease some piece, pieces apart for different blockchains. Maybe we start to see like certain games layer blockchains that are built with like parts of blockchain technology and not others. Like you start to get towards that trilemma sort of ideas and different ways of skewing. And this is where like, you know, it's a use case for it. We don't need a one size fits all blockchain necessarily. And we have this idea of like, oh, let's secure stuff down at the bottom layer of say Ethereum, but we can build stuff on top that needs to do less things or different things. And it sounded like you, you were talking about this one was using optimism uh, from the sound of it. So like, you know, mm -hmm. different layer two blockchain. And so I think this is just opportunities and use cases for different ideas. And I think games will help blockchains explore different ways of doing stuff that isn't financial necessarily. But the way you're talking about it also does sound like a little bit like if we're treating the blockchain as a decentralized but shared database of trust, and then we're building on top of that database and saying that database now represents a world. And we start to get to the idea of, you know, what is reality in the matrix? And it's just a consensus that the idea that this is a computerized consensus mechanism. And like, you know, it's establishing a reality by, you know, virtual consensus. And like, so the idea of like metaverse stuff or virtual stuff, I think still suits this very well, because that makes sense to like validate and trust and like have consensus mechanisms more so than just like a game where we're running around shooting each other or something, right? Where like server validation still matters but you don't need decentralized server validation. But maybe that's where we build layers, right? Where there's parts of the game that are on-chain and parts of it that aren't. So you have parts that are that don't need to be validated, separated off. And all this experimentation, though, is great. Like, you get the people that are just going crazy and doing stuff like, you know, Monaco or whatever, just doing nuts games on-chain so they can pioneer and see what works and what doesn't. And then the people later on who are going to build the mainstream stuff can take what worked from that and build different stuff. That's what I'm interested to see with stuff like Oasis ends up being right because you've got like all the Japanese and South Korean game developers like all over that like established game developers. So I'm curious to see what that chain ends up doing, for example, because it's obviously geared towards those people. Uh, so those kinds of specialized chains, obviously not all of them survive. Right. But at the end of the day, like some of them will be like, oh, well, it's a good thing we had this random one someone did that happened to actually catch on. So it's mm -hmm. it's cool. But we're very much in like the pioneer days of, of this stuff like no doubt like mm -hmm. it's really good that we're experimenting and like exploring but some people are just going to get eaten by wild animals and that's just the nature of the beast mm. at this point yeah 100 and i think I'm so proud the of interesting Devin. part here sorry uh ryan <laughs> uh, the interesting part here which we didn't touch on yet is that we so the, the way you describe it is oh we we now have uh, like a database that it is is focused on games right and i think the innovation here is that until now, most on-chain games were built on top of the EVM, which is the Ethereum virtual machine. And the main innovation here is that they've said, like, yo, the EVM, it's it's very good. Like, it's, as we all say, it's a world computer. Um, it's like running, you know, Call of Duty on your CPU and your computer. And what, what, what we're looking at now, and this is something that Optimism is doing, and we've seen another, uh, like, a number of other teams do as well, is build a blockchain like a decentralized technology if we want to call it blockchain maybe it's not a blockchain as per se because it maybe not blocks in a chain because you don't necessarily need to save the state every time and keep track of everything anyway they're building the like basically like a decentralized gpu to run games so instead of having to put your game on the evm which is not made to run games you now have a game specific um blockchain infrastructure it's like a, a decentralized server and i think this is an innovation that that will have a lot of value moving forwards um, because this 
like and this is what will result in what I described before where it's not so much like a, a World of Warcraft or a Call of Duty that you have on chain but it is this you know interactive virtual world where you maybe have your character and you can start walking around and maybe that's how the, the, the metaverse uh, turns out to be I don't know well, I think so. what we need is a blend of cloud gaming and blockchain gaming so we're using blockchain gaming as the decentralized transactional database to store data persistently and then the cloud gaming for the rendering the the, the gameplay the, the, that sort of stuff that you know, Stadia or xCloud or any of those are doing, running that stuff so that, because that doesn't need to be decentralized, right? The client end of things and all that kind of stuff. So the idea is you, is you merge those two, right? Because the nice thing about cloud gaming is there's already no cheating. You can't cheat in cloud gaming because you have no control over the server, right? Mm. So you take that and like people are making clients and, and trusted sort of things because those can be trusted to make those database transactions, right? Because the, the player's not in control of the client. Therefore, you can trust transactional requests from those servers to be valid to the database servers or essentially the blockchain. So then you merge those two, you have the gameplay on the cloud, all the data stored on the blockchain, everything validated and trusted and signed by things and still potentially composable because other cloud games can use that because they're all coming from kind of trusted sources to, to sign those things. Uh, I think that's the perfect way of merging those two so we get the best of both worlds. We get like the really you know real-time gameplay merged with the persistent world of blockchain in a decentralized fashion. And the cloud games themselves are sort of already decentralized in a way uh, across data centers. So it's, I think it's, like, we could kind of be heading like what looks like separate directions and eventually end up kind of in one place there. And I think that would be fantastic because I think cloud gaming, I, I mean, I'm bullish on cloud gaming in general. So uh, I guess I'm, I'm a little biased, but I think the merger of the two would be amazing because then, you know, when Stadia shuts down or something, you know, like you just move that stuff over to another one and all your data is persistent on the blockchain and you don't have to worry about it. Sounds centralized to me, bro. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, everything's going to be centralized in some fashion, right? Like uh, you can't truly decentralize everything. Uh, but, it is, you know, obviously we can decide how much makes sense for each yeah. thing. So yeah. Nico just died a little bit on the inside oh. hearing that statement. Yeah. I said it was composable still. You're fine. No, I, honestly, like, I, I think I'm too optimistic here or, like, I'm, I'm too much of a dreamer. Devin is more realistic. So, you know, what you should take away from this podcast is, like, more likely than not, what Devin says is, is more likely to happen than, than, than my view of this. Um, but yeah. Well, your view will happen in the short term, which is great, because that's what makes the law. My view happen in the long term. Interesting. Enables it. Ryan, I interrupted you earlier. I just going to say I was very proud of Devin for... Uh fully absorbing like you know like the real the the web free ethos and then also being discussed like in depth like concepts like the you know trilemma and the like so and also like talking about like you know more like the you know, like singular singular like um like you know evm one ethereum you know rules them all versus like the you know app chain slash step chain thesis that, that was also like a well covered in his, I'm still uh, so out of skeptic, his tirade yeah, so <laughs> we it was, all are. Uh, Everyone it's very really nice to see. Yeah, because Devin's like you know experiencing a whole bunch of other things, but it's like all in all, I think it's been like two years since you came to Web Three, right? Thereabouts. I mean, I was teaching Solidity development like back in the Crypto Kitties days, like 2017 and stuff. But yeah. oh, okay, you're OG. Okay, okay. So then, then <laughs> yeah. I, I, I take, I take it back. I'm no longer proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, there's no refunds right. in Web Three, man. Once you make a transaction, it's permanent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I am. Um, yeah, I, I love the take. <laughs> I'd love to take of Mr. Infrastructure Man here about uh, this whole uh, subject. Is that is that me, Nico? Is that is that your, your, your mind, Infrastructure Man, man? <laughs> I think what, 
what I've always been most excited about in this entire realm is maybe even more on the creator side and what it means for iterating game concepts and rewarding the people that contribute to that. So even if I build one single asset that then gets replicated, the fact that it's traceable and I can be automatically compensated for my work and building up a massive library of assets that can be utilized across games or across versions of games. I think where I get concerned, Nico, is on your point about the experience may never be quite as good as if this was just a, a normal centralized game. And I think I have um, I have maybe <laughs> some some concerns based on what we have seen with cloud gaming and you know, late, things like latency do actually impact people's willingness to adopt something novel. And so the value that's created from the player perspective is going to have to be, be offset um, by, by, these, by these costs of, of, the, of the smoothness of the experience. Um, and so, you know, to Devin's point on maybe there's a hybrid, who knows, maybe on the game engine side, the creator component is entirely decentralized and, and on-chain and the player experience is more traditional, but um, I think there's definitely something compelling about how games are built. We'll have to see how the tech evolves to see if it's a viable way to play the game. Um, but I think that's still that's still up in the air for me. So not not a, not entirely sure yet. Uh, Nico, what what gets you particularly excited about everything being on chain from from the player perspective and every action being logged? Because I know you're a big you're a big mm. fan of that. Just curious on the value you you really see. So I can't imagine like a killer use case today. Um, but, you know, I've been surprised many times by like someone's building something with a new technology. And I'm like, holy shit, how could I have never thought of that? Mm. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm just open-minded and I just see a lot of potential. I think um, given the the composability of all of this, and, and Ryan mentioned this before, where everything becomes modular, right? Mm -hmm. I think will mean that we'll be able to super, like do super fast iterations. Um, and yeah. like, I think we'll build, we'll be able to, if this thing manages to scale to build immense virtual worlds with like insane like uh, interactivity and a scale that has never been seen before. Um, I can also see a very easy implementation of, as I said, like earlier, the more things happen on chain. So once your bank interact interactions are on chain, right? Once mm -hmm. you there, there's a safe way for you to have your own wallet and, and to interact with, with all of your finances, um, like anyone could build like a physical or like a metaverse bank, right? In this on-chain world where you, anyone can implement this and then anyone can experiment with the, the user experience around that. Um, and maybe it makes sense to like, oh, I have this account and that's like a physical place where you go to to do that account and then you turn around and then you have something else. I don't know. Like, I, as I said, I'm, I'm I not very creative, right? Um, Aurori was, was talking a bit about that. So I remember mm -hmm. like back in 2021, Aurori, remember mm -hmm. that 100 million for 7% of their token sale? <laughs> very, mm -hmm. uh, very interesting. So um, Aurori, uh, we covered that actually way back on Navic, right? Um, but they, as part of their plans back then, anyway, in 2021, they wanted to get people into DeFi, right? In, in, their, in their game, like in a sort of approachable kind of way. But then part of that was also like eventually like growing into having like, you know, banks in game, right? And so like, you know, you learn how to, you know, use a bank in game. And, you know, there have been other, like, explorations of that, like, back in 2021 as well. Like, Atlantis World had, like, a, a, a front-end, like, basically walk around, right? 
as a pixel character. It was like a knockoff punk, I think. That was like their, their placeholder character. But the important functionality they were demonstrating was that they could interact with like Ave, for example. So they had like a, you know, interface where you could interact with Ave, and then you just interact Ave. You can deposit tokens there in, within the game itself, right? And the thing is that um, that's all achievable like right now. It doesn't have to be kind of like you know everything fully on chain. It's just like realistically, like what you're doing is like you have the interface interface to to Ave, and then you could try and take a, a spread or a cut of that, right? For for referring or like just add your own cut being the front end, and that's the whole business already, right? So. It just now then it, it reduces to like whether you have the ability to get those users in the door in the first place to begin like trusting you how they don't have to trust you they just have to you know well they have to trust you to to you know begin interacting with contracts in your game anyway but yeah mm-hmm. Nico so really reminds me of the um the the open source hardcore people from the nineties like I think if you were older Nico you would have been one of those guys big old beards and stuff just like <laughs> Stallman worshiper or something back in the day like but I I think that there's a lesson there, right? So those people were kind of come across extreme and hardcore, like in their beliefs around open source and stuff. But like open source, it powers the entire internet now. Like so much stuff is built on open source for good or bad. Like for cybersecurity reasons, I would say there's also a bad side to that as well. But uh, but it clearly worked, right? And I think there's there's a lesson there for blockchain where it's like there's skeptics and there's people like, oh, you know, I see all these problems with it and it goes through these kind of lumps. But at the end of the day, like it starts to embed itself into the infrastructure of things. And I think that that's what open source did. And I see the same path happening for this stuff, like whether it be composability, the same way the open source libraries were a composability thing, like the way Linux was built and all these forks and all these things that people share. And I think there's a, there's a good parallel in open source in general that I think, you know, maybe 20 years back or whatever, like kind of went through the same process. And so I think we can look to that to see like, okay, cool. Well, there's definitely a future here, but it also has to go through this period where everyone's like, why? Why do, why do we need this? What's the point of this? Like, why, I can't trust random people doing this. Like this is, you could say that about open source or blockchain, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same kind of idea, this, this weird kind of trust of random strangers working together. And, uh, and at the end of the day, I think it worked out for open source for the most part, but the, the tricky part became business models and stuff around that. I think, Obviously, blockchain has some of that a little more integrated because of the the finance aspects already kind of integrated into it. It might fare a little bit better so you don't have to have like red hat business models where you're like supporting your service. And maybe we, maybe it does. Maybe if you are truly saying like, okay, once my smart contract's out there, I don't own it anymore. You have to start finding ways to financialize that, like like royalty type systems, like you were saying some value flows back to you or other new business models around giving things out, but still getting something in return. And mm-hmm. I think open source pioneered some of that as well. So plenty of plenty of room for uh, for new ideas here in this space that I think will go through that same cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for saying that, Devin. Means a lot. Um, I would say I believe in you. It's fine. <laughs> I would say that also um, on chain games allows us to monetize logic, which we mm-hmm. never had. I think Phil, you mentioned this. Now you can write code, and every time that code gets executed with any kind of value transfer, you can like take like a millionth of that which mm-hmm. you know in itself sounds like yo this does, is not going to make me money but if it's used billions of times then um you say that but that was the original model of computing where people were running off servers and they had to pay for like the minutes they were using the compute cycles <laughs> so like it actually is the oldest form of computing there you go come back there again i mean we actually started in like thin clients and stuff in like the 70s a lot of people were using thin clients they weren't actually using their home computer they were mm. remoting into a cloud server or whatever 
And so like we're kind of going full circle in a way uh, back to that, which has been coming for a while because at the end of the day, we don't need like crazy ass desktop GPUs all the time. Like once we stop mining coins, you don't want to switch to proof of stake. <laughs> Obviously, we have our cool things in our pockets or whatever. But like I have a high end PC and a, you know, a nice phone and all that stuff. And I still remote things, use remote stuff on my VR or my phone or whatever to more powerful computers. It's just like one of those computing paradigms that I think is worth repeating to some extent, which is that not everything, not everyone has to have the most powerful thing at home, that there is always sort of this centralized decentralization struggle that happens where people want to use more powerful or more interesting things remotely. Uh, and those are things we remote into. So like I said, we go full circle on that. The whole 70s S- style. SSH, man. Secure show. Yeah, no, I, exactly. I it reminds me of like Black Mirror, man. Like, you know, there is, I think there is like a slight obsession of having your own things. Or like some people, mm-hmm. like just like, you know, from a social, like a, I guess, sociological angle, like the the individual wants to kind of own their own things, right? I guess web free, you want to own their own stuff, right? But like having your own computer, like there's air gap, like, you know, like there's no vector for attack. Like that's like a, like a fascination for some people right? like, or interest some people, right? Like having your ledger, which is a hard piece of physical hardware and all that. So I think there is still some sort of like appeal or romance to, to having like a physical thing that's yours, you know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even if you're not, even if you're not using it to mine, it's still like, you know, nice to have like a computer that's fast. I think the dystopian thing is like when you're like, I want to play Dota with my friends and then like, oh, this is like a search charge on like, you know, cloud gaming because it's like 7 p.m. on a Saturday and everyone wants to play Dota and like League right mm. now. And you're like, oh, I'm going to pay 15 bucks just so I can play one game of Dota. And it's like, uh, you know, right? Wait, I think that's like the dystopian situation. Internet cafes and everything are like a huge model in other countries, right? Like, yep. so that's already Korea, like a thing Japan. too, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're paying for computing yeah. time essentially mm-hmm. there too so it's, it's not like like i said it never really mm-hmm. went away it's just changed forms over time that's fair yep. that's fair yeah now yeah, well, one final fair. remark on this topic sorry and that's just i think to put things into context i think there's a real chance that the whole on-chain gaming space essentially becomes um as big as what even line is today which is like this very um this one world like for nerds essentially and you know you can you can program a bunch of stuff in there so my, the bullish person in me you know dreams of of something in, enormous uh but i think there's also a real chance where it's it's just something that remains very niche it's a, it's very much the original metaverse term that was used in like snow crash back in the day like that's what it was kind of that idea of like something similar to like mud or those kind of things, this, this shared virtual world was programmability. And mm-hmm. I mean, the MUD idea is like an old idea, multi-user dungeon, which was like an old programmable like world that people shared. And and so again, with that full circle 70s kind of thing, we're still kind of going through that. And I think that's a cool thing though, because we can learn from what worked in the past. We can repeat the parts that we liked, but didn't didn't work out back then and kind of continue that. Like the, the old uh, quote of like, you know, the history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes, that that sort of thing. I think we go through that technology. Obviously, we can have some big leaps, but we still kind of recreate a lot of stuff. And then we even have like the romanticized version of the old stuff, like steampunk kind of ideas and stuff where we uh, kind of, that helps perpetuate those circles that we go in. And I think, or more spirals rather, but I think that's a good thing. But my point is that there's like a lot of stuff valuable to look back in the past. And I know, I guess I'm just a big fat boomer over here, but uh, <laughs> there's there's a lot of cool stuff to learn. And I'm glad... <laughs> I'm glad I've like lived through a lot of this stuff and seen like a lot of this stuff kind of repeating so I can get a better idea where it's going. Like, cause you can really see the trajectories if you're like, I remember this from 20 years ago. 
uh, and what happened and like, you know, like Second Life, for example, going into like Decentraland, like that that wasn't even that long ago. And we're already kind of repeating that. Uh, So Mm. like a lot of cool, valuable stuff from the past that we can make new again, but in like a better way, right? Like try and fix the problems. Like VR has been through that cycle like a million times, for example. Mm. AI too. Mm -hmm. You... You mentioned New Stephenson, and uh, I, I feel like duty bound to to mention this. Uh, I have no vested interest in this, but uh, New Stephenson has launched like a new blockchain, Lamina One. Yeah, which I was pretty like, uh, I'm like, okay, I had no idea what they're doing. Uh, interesting. I'm like supposed to be like game centered, virtual centered. Uh, I'm curious to see how that goes. But I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. have any opinions on that at all. Yeah, I think we did an we episode on that. It, man. Yeah, okay. you're running behind. Then I'm, pretty... I'm just clueless then. Yeah, I'll conti- uh, yeah. I'll have to go and I think uh, get myself is. updated. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think we're bullish because, on the concept. You guys put, put on so the execution. You guys put out so much good content, man. Like I can't keep up, you know. <laughs> keep up, yeah. man. Keep up. You got you to sleep yeah. sometimes too. We get it. No worries. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying three jobs, you know. <laughs> jobs. <laughs> Economist and an investor. Yeah. Oh, investor. In Web three. Yeah. Oh my god. In Web three. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine yeah. keeping up crypto Twitter. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. No. No wonder. Yeah. yeah. That's Good. a full time right. job. Um maybe final remarks. Uh Devin and Ryan, you guys are gonna be you want you guys wanna shill your, your own panel that you're gonna be doing soon? Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh we will be at in San Francisco, right? Um I'm starting well, Berkeley kind of just outside well, San Francisco, just to be clear for those yeah. of you who are like understand the geography. Right, yeah, we'll we'll be in Berkeley, right? Um on the second of November, right, for gamer forum. Uh that's gamer with a free. G A M three R dot org, right? Organization. And that's in the website. And we'll be there for a panel, right? So we'll be discussing um at the developing game economies. It's gonna be like a relatively intimate kind of like a session uh with game developers. So if you're a game developer, definitely like apply to, to hit out, right? It's tailored for you guys who are going to go into web free or already are in web free and just like get a chance to meet other, you know, game developers, people who are thinking about the space. And yeah, so Devin and I will end Another associate of ours, Kiefer Zhang, right? Or Zhang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was on a previous um, episode here. It was a previous episode, yes. And uh, we'll be discussing basically developing like sustainable game economies, which is, you know, our bread and butter. Yeah. So yeah. very fun. Cool. Very fun. Cool thing is it's like, it's not like invite only, but you have to like kind of sort of apply for a ticket, I guess, uh, as, as a way to make sure that like it's quality people going. Um, and so it should be like, the idea is that like discussions and networking in person should be like really good there and everyone's there like that's interested it's not just like a bunch of tourists like people that are really interested in this stuff and so i think it'll be like really cool uh like it should be good discussion um who knows how much uh, i'll troll ryan but we'll see um but it it should be fun overall like and i think that it'll be a lot of other great talks but it's okay if you only come there for ours like we're not gonna be offended (laughs) yeah yeah we we won't complain yeah come say hi you know take some pictures yeah post on twitter there you go yeah don't don't post on twitter don't dox bring your fog down shirts (laughs) Yeah, bring fog down <laughs> shirts. When fog down shirts, Nico, yeah. come on, uh, fog down merch. That's <laughs> print that's, out your NFTs, dude. It's yeah. fog down merch Cash is gonna be jacket. virtual merch, <laughs> yeah. physical. Who needs t-shirts? You know. Well, yeah, I'll come in my augmented reality glasses, and then I'll be able to that's see it. your your NFTs. Exactly. So don't worry, exactly. I'll see them. Like no one else will, but I'll see them. <laughs> that's perfect. During your uh, your little talk, you can have your script. You know. Right. That's your, what I, was, I actually thought off. about that. I was like, I can have my teleprompter going. Yeah. It's fine. Perfect. No one will know. 
Good. I can, I can think of all, yeah. all sorts of crazy ideas for like, you know, AR glasses and then like, you're like showing different things to different people and they're like, yo, you know that guy like is doing this thing and you're like, ah, you know, like having a people little like, like pump in your shoulder. During it. They're like, yeah. <laughs> during conferences. So, yeah? yeah, in the AR. Yeah, I can't, no, can't, I mean like, yeah. it might as well be AR. They're already in like Twitterverse, like, you know, live tweeting and, and all that. So that's it. Yeah. I, I can't wait to read the live tweets of our our chat. It'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So come out like, if you can. It'll, it'll be really good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I believe yeah. it's free to attend, though. You just have to make sure to try and apply for a ticket soon. Is it free to own, though? No. <laughs> you know what? If there's no NFT version of the ticket, I guess not. Eventbrite needs to get on that. Yeah. Precise. Yeah. Good. All thank right, you. dudes. Um, Ryan, thank you for joining. Devin, Phil, thank you for being here as usual. Listener, thank you for listening. If you haven't already, Go mint your Soulbounce FogDAO toolbox. Um, mm -hmm. I'm assuming most of you have already done that. And then you can link your account in the Discord and you'll have a new color. Boom. You belong to the OGs. What we'll probably set up is that um, if you're an OG, you'll be able to join these as in the audience and you can start asking questions and you can tell, you know, Ryan that he's that he's, his shirt looks amazing today um, and stuff like that. So, um, you Thanks. know, we're going to start opening that up. Good. All right. Thank you, everyone. Um, if you enjoyed this, by the way, feel free to give us a like. If there's things we can do better, let us know, either in the comments or uh, in our Discord. We'd love to know. All right. Thank you. Thank you and speak to you next week. Ciao.